Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by a student of Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Sunday service. So good morning again. And once again, um, I'm Marie, and uh, I'm one of the students here at Lion's Roar. Um, and it's my great privilege to be doing uh, the talk today. Uh, every other Sunday, Lama Jimpa gives a talk, and then the other Sundays, um, it's various uh, students and guest speakers who come through. And um, the general thread that runs through all of the Sunday talks right now is that uh, we're really talking about the Shambhala journey. Uh, about you know using this Dharma path to create uh, an enlightened, inclusive, compassionate community, um, and also the journey to Shambhala. Um, that's like a greater overall journey um, to a different land, a different world. Um, and Lama asked me actually to specifically to do this talk. Um, we've been talking a lot lately. Um, at Lions Roar about the view, right? We started the new study program so that people can get, you know, like the correct view of the path and the Dharma and, you know, all of the things like emptiness and all of that. Um, and so we've been talking a lot about view for quite some time. So Lama Law actually wanted me to give a talk about the path, um, which is kind of like the nuts and bolts of like how we're doing stuff. Um, and about the journey to Shambhala, which is really the whole process, again, of creating and maintaining an enlightened community. So today I'm going to talk about the path in general and also share a little bit about my own path um, and see how things connect up. And, um, you know, why did Lama think that was important and, and why did I feel like it would, could be an important subject? Um, we're all on our own individual journeys, right? You know, we're all individual people, and um, we got here in different ways, and we're all looking for slightly different things. Some of us came looking for like a religious, sacred Buddhist practice. Uh, some of us are secular practitioners, and we're looking for a community of just compassionate, like-minded people. Um, some folks don't really want to be that involved. You know, they just want to come hear Dharma talks, maybe go to an occasional group and take off. Um, some of us are really seeking a relationship with a teacher and are interested in taking refuge. And some folks are just interested in basic mindfulness training. The amazing thing about Shambhala, this community we're trying to create and the Shambhala journey, is that every single one of those different kinds of people are in the exact right place for them because Shambhala is inclusive um, think about all the different kinds of Buddhas all the different Buddhas you see in this room right all of the different Buddhas and even more they all have different functions and activities all different things that they do and they all work together and they're all important and it, that's just like every single one of us we're all Buddhas right Inside, we're all Buddhas. So we all have different purposes and different activities and different things we're meant to do and different roles to play. Um, so we're inclusive. And we accept and welcome all of those people um, because we need all those different skills and abilities to create a real functioning community and sangha. Um, so 
at Lionsburg, we actually emphasize both sacred and secular practices. We have groups for all of those different things um, because people need different things and they can change. People can change along the way, right? So my journey is a good example of that. Uh, I came here actually in a pretty roundabout way. Uh, most of you know that uh, Lama Jimpa, our spiritual director and founder, is, uh, a marriage, is also a marriage and family therapist. He runs Middleway Health. And I actually found Lama Law because I was having uh, real trouble at work. And um, it had been suggested that I do something about that. And um, I also was really depressed and needed therapy. So I uh, went online to my insurance company's website and I looked for providers who had evening hours. And Mama Jimpa happened to be like one of the few that actually had evening hours and the only one who was accepting new patients who did. So, you know, I made an appointment. I had no interest in a spiritual practice was not interested at all. Um, at the time, I was just kind of an agnostic and you know, just reading lots of different things. And um, I just didn't want to get fired. So I went to this guy who had evening hours. And uh, I didn't even know he was Buddhist. I had no clue. Um, so I just went in, got my six EAP sessions, you know, my employee assistance program sessions. And we got along well. And it really helped. And things made sense. And I was at, after my six sessions, like, well, this has been really awesome. Thank you so much. I feel great. I'm, 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 I'm good now. And he was like, okay. <laughs> so about five months later, the bottom completely fell out of everything. Um, completely fell out of my world. And um, I plunged into yet another of a long succession of deep, deep depressions. Um, and I just couldn't function any longer. And I had really liked Stephen Walker, the therapist. So I called back and made an appointment to start to see him again. And I will never forget it. When I walked back into his office, um, he looked up and he just smiled and he said, I knew you'd be back. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's interesting. And at the time, I figured he meant, well, he could see that the depression was coming and I was going to be crashing and burning, that I wasn't really okay. What I didn't realize was that he already knew he was my teacher. He already knew the real reason that I came back. I just didn't see that. And it actually took me about a, another year and a half to A, figure out that he was Buddhist and a Lama, and B then have the wits to actually ask him to be my teacher and start a genuine Dharma practice, uh, mainly because I'm just a little bit clueless about things like that. It can take me a long time to pick up hints. Uh, Autism Bland is like that. So um, what's interesting is he'd already started me meditating. And he's like, you just need to sit still for 24 minutes a day. So I did. Um, he'd already had me reading books, like secular books that had really, really helped. Uh, books on dreaming and things like that. Um, and I was already beginning to stabilize a little bit. And it was funny, he kept suggesting I look at his Middleway Health website. And when I finally did, it was like, oh, you're a Buddhist. <laughs> you're a Lama. So um, I started out 
just desperate not to get fired. Um, and those of you who know me know that now, over the ensuing over a decade, I've become a pretty devoted and religious Buddhist. Um, my path took me someplace I never could have imagined in a million years. Um, so everybody's path is a little bit different, right? Um, some of you came looking for a Buddhist therapist and you found your way here. Uh, some of you actually came to Lion's Roar because you were interested in Buddhism and you wanted a community. Some people just want to come and hear inspiring talks or have a quiet place to sit for a while. Um, and every single one of those things is perfectly okay and necessary and wonderful. We need everyone. Uh, all kinds of people in our community, no matter what brought you here in the first place. And when I'm talking about the path, I'm talking about a perspective that Lamala has really given me over time. Um, it isn't this thing that's separate from the rest of your life, right? It's You can't silo off things like, here's work, and here's my family, and here's my dharma practice. Um, the path incorporates all of those things together. Shambhala isn't some place over there off in the distance. Well, it might be, but right now it isn't. Um, Shambhala is really all around us. So, and everything we do is part of it, right? So doing the dishes, doing the laundry, changing diapers, washing clothes, going on vacation, working your state job, all of that is part of Shambhala. And if you try to keep those things separate, it's just going to make you crazy because uh, you can't do it. That isn't realistic. Um, if you don't keep those things separate, things will definitely work better. Um, so in order to really be on this Dharma path and have a genuine practice, um, you really have to do it all. Um, so like for me, it means that I have to learn from Lamla, come here, go to Dharma talks with you know, Lama and my other fellow students. Um, I have regular meetings with Lama La. We call them Darshan to learn from him directly. Um, and I study. And I have a very robust daily practice. Um, for me, it also means that I see a psychiatrist and a therapist. And I go to all these classes at Kaiser that help me to you know, be more reliable and better and just a better version of myself. Um, they help me to be healthy and be sane and understand myself. And it means working hard to really think about all the information that I've learned from all the different signs and really integrate it together. Uh, my Dharma practice and training supports my psych care. My psych care supports my Dharma practice and training. And it all works together. Um, it isn't separate. So you, you really have to bring the conventional world and the Dharma world together or it just never works. Um, I can guarantee that. When you aren't bringing it together, it just isn't going to work. Um, so that's a little bit about my path and, and yours is probably different. Um, and you can see again that I've changed over time and I went from being agnostic someone who wasn't really a seeker, to being really devoted. So everything evolves. Um, and I also wanted to talk a little bit about why that change happened in context to the path. And uh, Lama thought that would be a really good idea uh, as well. So um, 
my path may sound a little bit unique, and it's true, the details of everybody's path vary a little bit from person to person, but um, Lama Jimpa and all the Dharma teachings really emphasize to to us that in the end, our individual paths really aren't all that unique. And I can tell you for a fact, um, it's absolutely true. It may be a little disappointing at first because, you know, we all want to think we're special and unique. But if you really think about that, it's really kind of wonderful to know that um, everyone, from your Sangha brothers and sisters here, to Lama Jimpa and Geshe Damsho, to the Dalai Lama and all the great masters of the past, um, have all had the same sorts of of experiences along the way, right? Um, and it isn't always easy. Um, at the end of the month, Lama Jimpa is going to give a really neat retreat for uh, refuge students, students who've taken refuge. Um, and he's going to introduce people to, uh, in more in depth to this kind of Shambhala vision. Um, I had the privilege of working with him uh, a couple of years ago very closely on a very long guided meditation and kind of a a chart or map that's a guide to Shambhala and the journey. And it was a really um, incredible experience and it was an extraordinary gift because I learned a lot while I was doing it. Um, But the most extraordinary part was that in the subsequent years, after doing this you know, guided meditation about this journey that takes you from home to Shambhala, um, I was able to see in a very literal, real way that none of it was theoretical. And what it maybe, at the time it seemed maybe metaphorical or idealistic, is actually grounded in universal, gritty, nuts and bolts reality and everyday experiences. So... Um, if you've taken rec- refuge, I really encourage you to come on the d- retreat because uh, it's going to be information that's really going to be helpful to you. Um, as a practitioner, it'll help you grow uh, as a human, as a bodhisattva. So um, it's really amazing. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to do this talk, uh, to let you know about that too. So we're all on this path. That seems unique from our side. But what you'll see is when Lama gets in depth is that it really is universal. Um, We all usually start out with some like preconceived notions of how things are going to be, right? How is the journey going to look? So we kind of like hope it's going to be a straight line and we're going to have good weather and we're not going to get lost or tired. Um, So like maybe we come to the temple with some ideas of how things are going to be. And, you know, we have ideas about how people should behave or how things should look, you know, around here, how people should be 24 hours a day, how people should treat us. Uh, You know, we all have lists, and it all goes on and on, because we all have, you know, ideas and biases and things. We have ideas about what it means to be Buddhist or, you know, how people should be contributing. We have ideas about what the teacher should be like and what that relationship would be like. Um, And usually, those ideas aren't based in reality. They're really just based on our own ideals and standards that are kind of all revolving around our own, what we call our kleshas, our own fictions and desires and biases. And... We just sort of figure that if things go the way we want, 
it's going to be a good trip from point A to point B, and of course that's not realistic at all. Uh, it's a fantasy. Um, even if you're just going to the grocery store, right? You're probably, it's not going to be point A to point B. You're probably going to have to circle the parking lot a little bit. So when we have that fiction, that's when we run into problems because everyone has their own fictions of how things should be and then we have conflicts because the details don't match up, right? My details are different than your details and people get frustrated or angry or impatient. So how do we avoid that Within causing problems within ourselves, and how do we um, overcome that and continue to create this community? Um, and again, it's by really remembering that one profound truth um, that, like our suffering, our path is not unique. We are all walking it together. Um, and again, that can seem disappointing or even impossible. Um, but over time, it's been really comforting to be able to go to Lama Law and go, okay, this happened. Has this happened to you? And he's like, yes, absolutely. That's happened to me. Um, because again, the experience is universal. And that can be really inspirational too because we all stumble. Um, because it is an easy level path all the time. Um, we all get lost occasionally or run into a dead end or a blind corner and we're all going to experience fear and hopelessness and discouragement and confusion. There are going to be times in this path where it feels like your heart is breaking and you might fall into a deep crevasse. Um, it might feel like you're broken and you can't get out. That's just the reality. And we all think, well, that isn't going to happen to me. But our teachers are telling us the truth. They're preparing us. We go and they go through all those things. Because we all go through the same sorts of trials. But if you persist, you will come out and you'll come out stronger. Um, and again, this can seem idealistic or metaphorical or theoretical. And I know um, sometimes it seems like we hear Lama Jimpa or these teachers saying these things and it's like, you know, that they say things like, we can do it, you know, you can wake up, you can become a Buddha in this lifetime. And we hear them so often, it, maybe it seems like it's just another like inspirational quote on a meme or something like that. Um, but I can tell you guys, when I tell you they're telling the truth, um, you might thinking that I'm just repeating what I've been told um, and you're thinking well based on what? Faith? Well yes it is based on faith um, but it isn't blind faith it's faith based on the path that I've gone through so far um, and for me personally this is one of the things that I really wanted to clearly communicate to everyone um, so I'd like to talk a little bit uh, about faith and truth and evidence and experience and doubt because uh, those are all things we're going to experience on the path even though you know maybe at the beginning that seems like it can't be possible but it's going to happen um, as I mentioned I, I worked with Lama for a fairly long time 
uh, actually a couple years on a long guided meditation about this uh, incredible Shambhala journey that takes us from our homes to the center of Shambhala itself. Um, and it's full of metaphorical language and imagery, you know, climbing slopes and finding guides and getting lost into the dark and again falling into crevasses. And I could see how it related to my path in a way. And I was like, ooh, you know, that's neat and interesting and kind of a theoretical way. Um, and then we set that project aside and I was working on some other stuff. Um, and about a year after that, uh, I fell into a crevasse and it was not theoretical. Um, a lot of things led up to it. Um, but those details do not matter. Um, I am not interested in uh, making excuses uh, for things. Uh, the only thing that matters, the only thing, is that I made a terrible, terrible mistake and I became lost in my own clashes and reactions and I broke Samaya with Lama Jimpa. I had no intention of doing it. We never do. I had just gotten lost and off the track. Um, I will tell you, as some of you know, working with Lama is a profound privilege and a blessing. And if you get a chance, do it. But working closely with your Lama is like working with a crucible that is burning off your impurities and delusions. And when you get close, you are going to feel the heat eventually. And I felt that fire. And to see Lama so wrathful, uh, to have him shout at me and tell me to leave, to just go. Uh, to a devoted student, you can see from how I am right now. Uh, facing the anger and disappointment of your Lama is one of the worst things you can imagine. And at the time, it really felt like the worst day of my life. And I can guarantee you, I have had some very, very bad days. Um, but I didn't argue. Uh, I did, as he said, and I left and I fell. And I fell and I kept falling. It felt like that. I just kept falling, and I was like, how could this have happened? I love my guru. How could I have allowed this to happen? It was terrible. Um, and I was in a really deep, dark place. And I will tell you guys, I thought about quitting. I thought about just leaving and not coming back. Um, I thought about quitting Buddhism. I thought, but then I thought about a life without the Dharma and how empty it would be. I mean, it's like at that point, I was like, this would just, that's crazy. I thought about finding another Sangha, but I knew that wasn't the solution, right? Finding another Sangha wouldn't solve the problems. Um, I blamed other people, but I knew in the end it was really me and my reactions. Um, I blamed everybody else. I thought about killing myself, but that isn't a solution. And I promised Lamala I wouldn't do that a long time ago, so. Um, the thought and response was that was, yeah, 
you promised your lama you can't do this. The thought and response was, you know, you have this one, this precious human lifetime right now, and you can't throw it away. So I sat down, and on that basis, I knew I had to go on living. I already knew I couldn't quit doing the Dharma. So I knew ethically I couldn't give that up because I believe it's the truth. And I realized who had made me understand that. Lamala. So I sat down and realized that was a gift he'd given me. Um, I realized that Lamala had said this would happen. He had not lied. Um, I just hadn't truly believed until that moment that it applied to me. Um, He said he knew it would happen to us because it had happened to him. I knew that once again he had spoken a truth and it opened up a window in me and I began the process of rebuilding Samaya. It's my responsibility, not his. And began by remembering the things he told me or told all of us that turned out to be the truth. Like starting with the basics, like sitting for 24 minutes will help you. Two books he'd had me read that had helped me. Even before I was a student, I realized that we, when we break Samaya that way, it's really us and it's based in doubt and a lack of trust and that it was up to me to find that again. So I began a process on the cushion of reviewing all of Lama's kindnesses over the years, his generosity with his time and his wisdom, his patience. I tried to review everything that he'd said that turned out to be true, and it was a mountain of truths. And what's funny is that the proof of all of it lay within me. The Marie you see, the Yeshi Dorje you see today is a very different being than the one that walked into Stephen Walker's office over 10 years ago. Um, and the reason is the truth that Lama told me. I went back and saw how over the years, when he would say, do this or read that or think about this, it all worked. Maybe I didn't see how it was working at the time, but it did. It all helped. If I did as he instructed, if I made the effort and applied myself, it worked. And it was interesting because as I went through the process, and it's been a year and counting now, um, I not only rebuilt that foundation of trust with Lamala, I learned to trust myself, too. Um, I had to be completely honest with myself and examine my flaws and seek out the remedies to correct them from my teacher and apply them, trusting him that they'd work. But I also had to be really honest with myself about my accomplishments and my progress and my ability to learn and to apply the teachings and see the real demonstrable change that's taken place. It was a daily practice. I meditated, reflected. I did practices where you make friends with demons. I kept coming to teachings, and over time, a miracle really did happen. Um, I think that most miracles don't come like a bolt from the blue. Um, talked to Lama about this 
um, Lama and the Dharma teach us that, you know, the Lamas, the Gurus, the teachers, they don't heal by laying on of hands, right? The Buddhas don't lay on hands and heal you. Um, it all comes from within ourselves. So I really don't think there are miracles that come like a bolt from the blue. I really feel like most of them are more like steady state miracles, you know, where these incredible things take place deeply over time. Um, and that's what happened. I changed. My mind changed. That is the proof. Uh, I became saner and stronger and more confident, uh, happier. People tell me I seem happier. Um, I sought medical advice and I applied it and it worked along with the Dharma practice I was doing to improve things even more. So everything worked together to go more smoothly and things became workable. Um, and I climbed and I stumbled and I kept climbing and eventually I made my way out of the crevasse um, and on the other side there was Lama Jimpa waiting for me just like he's always done and just like he's promised it's like he said on day one and it's also like he said this shit works it really really works and I am here to tell you that with absolute confidence it is the truth how does it work well again just like Lama says perhaps a little disappointingly um, it's through daily shamatha and vipassana practice on the cushion there is no other way you have to develop wisdom and stability you have to do the practice and be honest and check yourself right i mean are you doing shamatha or is it really reverie are you doing reverie or are you just sitting there taking other people's inventories or your own inventory a daily formal meditation practice is the only way this will work and the entire reason I got off track is because my formal sitting daily practice had gotten out of whack and bringing it back into focus was how things became better. Um, Lamala is not going to waste your time or his. There is no time to waste. You could get hit by a bus walking out of here. So he is not going to waste your time. So if he says or suggests that you should read a certain book or do a certain practice, um, it's not some random thing he's impulsively suggesting. His suggestions are really instructions, they're directions, and they're like signposts pointing you the right way. He's giving an instruction that's intended to help you wake up in this very lifetime. Um, you might not see the results instantaneously. It may not even make sense at the time. But if you persist, you'll benefit from it. Um, Lama Jimpa does not lie, ever. Um, I really want you guys to know that. So when he says you have to meditate, he isn't kidding. 
He means it when he says you have to do that work, and and he means it when he says the Buddhas can't do the work for you, right? They can't download the wisdom into your mind for you. Um, He can't download his wisdom to you, or solve all your problems, or make sure that everything is going to be okay. He isn't lying when he warns us the path will be hard sometimes, or maybe exhausting or heartbreaking. Um, He also isn't lying when he tells us that there's support and remedies, um, that our view will become clearer, and that we can wake up in this very lifetime. You can become a Buddha. You can become enlightened in this lifetime. That's also the truth. And none of us are exceptions to that either. So you don't get to get away with going, oh, not me, I'm too messed up, I can never do it. Nope, you can do it in this lifetime. We just have to apply ourselves. Um, Everyone has that potential. No matter what's happened to you, no matter what you've done or what suffering you've undergone, Lama and all of the other masters, they're not lying about that. It's the truth. Um, And they aren't asking for blind faith about anything. Um, Lama and all the other teachers are asking for the same thing. They're asking us to study and do the practices and training and invest the time so we can see the truth for ourselves. Um, Sometimes teachers say things we don't want to hear. or don't understand right then. Or maybe we just have such a low opinion of ourselves that we choose not to believe them. But here's the thing. I've seen the deep, profound changes I've undergone. I've seen the deep, profound changes my Sangha brothers and sisters have undergone. Um, just as Lamala and all the other lineage teachers have said would happen, and I'm absolutely nothing special. So um, I guarantee you I'm nothing special as a student, so why would I doubt them when they say that we can attain Buddhahood in this lifetime? Um, doubt is the destroyer. And the only remedy to doubt is brutal honesty. You have to be honest with yourself about your own flaws and downfalls. You also have to be honest about the things you've done well and your accomplishments and your progress. And what's funny is that for a lot of us, that part's even harder because then we can't, if we do that, right, we look at all the things we're doing right, then we can't retreat into being a victim um, or being helpless. We have to take responsibility. Um, When we acknowledge what we've accomplished and what we can do, we have to grow up and we have to take responsibility. Uh, That was a really hard part for me. Um, It can be hard and it can be terrifying, right? Finally kind of growing up and doing it on your own. But unless you're willing to do that, None of this can possibly work because you'll be consumed with doubt um, on a really fundamental level. But with honesty, you'll be able to see the path more clearly and the truth of the teachings. And I guarantee 
that your guru is going to be there to guide you um, as long as you're willing to do the work yourself. No one else can do it for you. And that's where intelligent faith, informed faith, based on demonstrable proof comes from, right? Not just believing in someone because they're nice to you or they're an authority or they're wearing specific robes or something. Um, You don't have to understand everything right now about how the Dharma works or the subtleties of karma and rebirth, emptiness, selflessness, all of these difficult esoteric ideas and realities this very second in order to have faith. Look at all the myriad small things you've been taught that have turned out to be correct. That will eventually become a mountain. And then let that be the foundation of your faith with confidence that as you understand more and more, as you wake up, all those other things will be revealed. Um, And as Lama tells us sometimes, you know, he always says, as um, the climb gets harder and higher, the view gets better. Um, It's true. Sometimes on the path, we can't see clearly what's up ahead. But you can see the trail at your feet and follow that. Um, And sometimes it's going to feel really lonely, uh, especially if you have gotten off track somehow. Um, Sometimes you'll feel lost and like your heart is breaking or that you can't even remember why you even started doing this in the first place. Um, But remember, you guys, everyone goes through these things in their practice. Um, And that's actually the really wonderful thing because it means... We all have support. Um, You can talk to your teacher, and they'll tell you, yep, that happened to me. Here's what you can do. You can talk to your sangha brothers and sisters, and they're going to say, yep, exact same thing happened to me. This is what I did. Um, They'll at least be able to tell you, yeah, I went through the same thing. And then something wonderful happens, because what's going to happen is you're going to look around, And you're going to see people going through things, and you'll be able to come to their aid and say, yep, I went through that. Let's talk about it. Um, Let me help. Sometimes, with some people, it might take the whole tribe, right? The whole sangha gets together and lifts someone out of a ravine, right? Like a mountain rescue. Like sometimes everybody has to get together and pull the person out of the crevasse. But when we know we're all having these common experiences that we all go through, then we really can come together as a community and really help when we can. So we can realize our sameness and come together and we don't need to get bogged down in details or you know blaming or looking at what happened we can just realize our common struggle and help and by lifting we're all lifted and that's really what Shambhala is all about so that is my piece on faith and devotion and falling down and getting up on the path. Um, 
It's about 10 till noon. Did you guys want to take a break first and have some discussion or questions, or did you want to do... So we have some time for um, questions, discussion, complaints, insights. Does anybody have anything? Yeah, um, well, just want to say thanks. Oh, first. sure. Yeah, great. Um, just wondering, what exactly does it mean to break Samaya? I've heard that term before, and I don't know what it means. Well, when, um, when we take refuge... You know, we have our refuge vows that we take. Uh, Samaya is really um, about your relationship with your teacher. Um, So it's about, you know, respecting your lama, being devoted to your lama, uh, doing what your lama asks or tells you to do, uh, holding your lama in the correct view, um, not... There's all kinds of stuff uh, with regard to Samaya about um, not speaking, you know, incorrectly about your lama. So um, basically, a lot of it has to do with having confidence in your lama and having the confidence to um, do as he asks without going into a place of, well, this is what I want, or I don't know, that sounds crazy, or, you know, so um, it's definitely something Lama could speak at more length to, but Samaya is really um, about your correctly viewing your relationship with your guru um, and your behavior surrounding that. Um, Susan, is that about, sound about correct? But remember, the Buddha also said, "Don't believe what I tell you. Check it out for yourself." Exactly. So, part of um, I, I, what was your question? Um, but but what exactly does Samaya mean? What you know? What it, what is? Oh, what do yeah. I mean by Samaya? And I and I told her it's a lot of it is about you know holding the correct view of your guru with right. your relationship and your behavior, attitude, and right. it's, actions It's about devotion. It's, yeah. it's definitely it's, about devotion, but it's not blind devotion exactly. by any way, stretch, or form. I mean, right. there's, there's, you have to really to have true confidence. I think that we're taught that you have to have backup to that confidence. Mm-hmm. It's not blind anything. Exactly. So um, that, that devotion and that respect, maybe for me that's a, a better word than devotion. I, I really, you know, I mean, I'm a Westerner, right? I right. Was, so respect is kind of the word that really works for me. Um, and and that's, that's something that, As we always say, respect is earned, but it's also you have to set aside, as you were saying, your own expectation. Well, your own your own ego. You need to set that aside. Yeah. And 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 really try to look at what's really in front of you. Yeah. You have so to set aside the fictions and right ideas. Right. Right. So it's it's not a simple explanation and it's not a simple process right. but it's it, it requires work on both both sides exactly and and a lot of respect and a lot of um, confidence and a lot of um, setting aside 
just the BS. And you have and trust as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you it's you know again getting back to what I was talking about. There you you can't engage in doubt, um, and you have to trust. And it's based on it's like Susan was saying, being honest and checking. You know, Lama says always be checking. This is what he's talking about. Anybody else? Excuse me. Um, when you were talking, I mean, one of the, the things that kept coming to my mind was to talk about not just the difficulties in this path, but the just phenomenal joy that oh, yeah. one discovers in living. Um, a, a woman I was listening to recently who was just con- uh, uh, became a Zen priest, and it was a she was giving a, a, a talk after her ordination, and she said that over her years of practice, she'd learned how incredibly grateful she was to be alive and to be doing the practice mm-hmm. and to have this integration of, of her whole life around Dharma. And Dharma is life, and life is Dharma, and just just the joy that she felt. Thank you. And that's an incredible point. Um, thank you so much. Because one of the changes that has taken place for me, I mentioned like kind of in passing, oh, I'm, I'm happier. Um, <laughs> I cannot tell you the misery I have been in throughout my life. And I have really struggled with depression. Um, I'm autistic. That's a challenge. Um, it has not been easy. Um, and one of the extraordinary things about this, this literal trial by fire that I went through is that over this very, sometimes really hard year of practice, over time, what I have in de- developed is this real true sense of actual real happiness. Um, I, I like, and, and it's weird. I'm going to tell you, it's weird. I like, because I, I have a hard time like identifying my emotions anyway, because I'm autistic. But I like, I emailed Lama, I'm like, okay, Lama, I feel confident and optimistic and a little bit sassy, but like I understand things. And like, I'm like, is that feeling happy? And he feels back, yes. I'm like, yes. So, you know, and, and it is, I am more confident and the happiness that I feel now is like Susan was saying I'm just so grateful to have this human lifetime to have stumbled across this Dharma practice and this path to have found this Sangha Um, and it's interesting because it's a different happiness. I've, you know, because in the past there've been periods where I felt, you know, kind of happy and stuff. But it's interesting because I feel happy, even though really hard things are happening in my life. I, I, one of my very closest friends, is terminally ill, and dying in a really hard way, and I can be sad about Joe, 
and I can still be happy in a really fundamental way and still feel joy. Um, and it isn't crazy feeling. It feels like the way things should be because it is the way things should be. That's how it feels when things finally become workable. And that's what the sitting practice does for you. That's what the daily discipline, shamatha, and vipassana do for you, is they create that situation where it opens you up so the joy can come up, and then things can become workable. Thank you for reminding me of that. Anybody else? Well, if then there are no more questions or comments, complaints, then I think we'll go ahead and um, we'll do some sitting and um, have a chance to kind of like let things filter in, find a little bit of joy. This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.